insight and keys and perspective to everyday living through the lens of God. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm so, so glad you're tuning in yet again. Uh, This is going to be episode six of a series that we've been in called To Whom It May Concern Letters uh, to the Church, where we've been focused on the book of Revelation and the seven churches that uh, the seven letters that were written to the seven churches of that time. And this is, if this is your first time, we're definitely so glad you're here. Make sure to like, subscribe, um, whatever you're listening on, whether it's Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, make sure to subscribe. That way when new episodes launch, you'll get the first alert. You'll be ready to tune in and lock in to everything Vantage Point has. And if you've been with us, continue. We love, we appreciate everybody that's been here with us. We just hit some more countries that we've been uh, heard in, some more milestones in terms of downloads, and God just continues to do some amazing things through Vantage Point Podcast. I want to let you know that we, uh, just in a few weeks here, we're going to be starting our summer takeover series. And for those that don't know, this is a series that I do um, every summer uh, through the month of June and July, where I'm able to kind of step back um, and reset and recharge for uh, the next season of Vantage Point Podcast coming in the fall in August. And so for June and July, we're going to have some amazing guest hosts that are going to come. They're going to bring a word just like we did last year. You saw we traveled a little bit. We had uh, guest hosts in L.A., Chicago, Canada, Atlanta, um, Augusta, right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And this year is going to be no different, although we're going to stick around uh, local to Tulsa a little bit. I got a few surprises for you. And I want you to, um, on our Facebook page, on our Instagram page, Vantage Point Podcast, let us know. Um, matter of fact, be watching for a post this week to guess who's going to be speaking on Vantage Point Podcast this summer uh, into the summer months for Vantage, for uh, persons of interest, summer takeover. You don't, don't want to miss it. And like I said, we've been in this series called To Whom It May Concern, and so I want to jump into that. Last week, uh, we had an amazing time. We talked um, about one of the other churches uh, dealing with uh, CPR, right? We talked about uh, church pulmonary resuscitation, right? Reviving a dead church. And so this week, uh, it's an interesting twist for this particular church. It's actually, we're going to be focused on the Church of Philadelphia. And so definitely some some insight and keys we're going to pull from that. So we're actually good. We're in Revelation 3, uh, verses 7 through 13. And it says, write to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Thus says the Holy One, the true one, the one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will close and who closes and no one opens. I know your works. Look, I've placed before you an open door that no one can close because you because you have but little power. Yet you've kept my word and have not denied my name. Note this, I will make those from the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews and are not but are lying. I will make them come and bow down at your feet and they will know that I have loved you. Because you've kept my command to endure, I will also keep you from the hour of testing that is going to come on the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hear me. Verse 11, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one takes your crown. Verse 12, the one who conquers, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God and he will never go out again. I will write 
on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. And I love, even in this series, every time we've read a passage of Scripture written to these churches, it always ends, let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. And I think that's such a powerful reminder to us all, right? We have to have ears to listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And remember, we're not just talking about physical buildings. We're talking about the organisms, us, because we are the church body. We are the bodies that the church resides in, that the Spirit of God resides in. So we're we have to tune our ears to listen, not just for the organization church, but for the organisms that are us in that. Amen. And so, uh, as always, I want to get into a little bit of history of the church in of Philadelphia. And it was located in modern Turkey um, off the Kog, Kogamus River, about 105 miles east of Smyrna and 25 miles southeast of Sardis. Uh, Philadelphia was founded uh, later than many of the other cities uh, in Asia Minor. We, uh, theologians say sometime, sometime after 189 BC, it was established on one of the highways leading uh, to the interior of the region. Uh, and most know, if you don't know, but I'm pretty sure that majority of people know that Philadelphia, the word means brotherly love, right? We know the city of Philadelphia in the state of Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love. It was a name uh, given uh, to it. It was actually in honor of Atlas II uh, because of his loyalty to his elder brother, uh, who was the king of Lydia, right? And, and still another uh, name of the city was Deca Decapolis, Decapolis. There we go. And because it was considered as one of the 10 cities of the plain, right? And a third name, which it bore, uh, which it had uh, during the first century AD was Neo Casaria. Uh, and it appears actually on coins uh, that were in that period. Um, and so we wanted to kind of give a little context to that. And Philadelphia actually uh, also became an important city uh, when it came uh, to wealth and trade, just like a lot of the other cities in that time. Um, and, and for the coast cities, uh, as it declined there, it grew in power. So Philadelphia began to grow, uh, grow in power, retained its importance well after, um, you know, over time as it grew as a city. And, and like other cities, uh, it often had to rebuild uh, during the earthquakes and things of that nature. And so Roman emperors actually often helped uh, rebuild those cities in the early parts of the first century. And so uh, definitely looking at the city of Philadelphia and seeing some things that uh, were coming from just as a historical standpoint. But I really want to get into uh, the message a little bit. And then I'm going to share some things that we can pull away uh, from the act, from this letter that, that Jesus has written through John uh, in the book of Revelation. And so the, we, we see this again. This is the sixth church of the seven uh, addressed between Revelations 2 and 3. Uh, and again, this, this message is from Jesus Christ through an angel or messenger. Uh, and it, again, it says, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Uh, and, and this was not, again, John's personal message to these believers. It was a message 
from the Lord. And, and we can see that because at the beginning of the letter, he identifies himself as him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Uh, this is a description that really emphasizes the holiness of Jesus, his sovereignty, his authority. And the reference even to the key of David goes back to Isaiah 20, 20, 22, 22. Uh, and again, it's, it's talking about a messianic prophecy of Jesus back in that scripture. And again, Jesus is the one who opens and shuts and no one can say uh, say to him opposite of what he does. Uh, and, and Jesus first, right off the bat, um, it affirms and acknowledges the church of Philadelphia's positive actions. He says, I know your deeds. I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and not denied my name. And see what we know and what we can look at with the church of Philadelphia, there was some weak areas. Um, but if you remember early on, this is this is actually the second church that is listed um, in these seven letters that did not actually receive a rebuke. Uh, we talked about this with the uh, Church of Smyrna uh, back in the second episode of the series, but this, uh, the Church of Philadelphia, is the second church of the seven that did not receive any corrections or any failures in terms of, of shortcomings, but there was some weakness there, right? But even in the midst of their weakness, they remain faithful in the face of trial. And because of this, the Lord promises an open door of blessing. But then in the letter, Jesus shifts and he condemns the enemies of Philadelphia. And he says, I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. That's Revelation 3, 9. And it says those who persecuted the believers, right? Would be the would one day realize Christ's love for his children and the church of Philadelphia would be victorious over its enemies. And Jesus encourages them um, regarding his future coming. He says, since you've kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the world to test those who live on the earth. He says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. And I think right there is probably a good shifting point and pausing point to really hone in on something relevant from this letter for us today. And I think that's been the um, flow that we've had in this series is we've been able to take these letters and pull some spiritual truth for us in the time that we're in right now. And I want you to hold on to that word. It says, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. And I want you to think about that. Think about the things that that we've been dealing with. Think about the things that you've endured and the things that where you have maybe even felt weak, just like the church of Philadelphia. But God is literally saying, hold on to what you have. Hold on to what you have, which is him, because that way no one will take your crown. And see, there's a faithful endurance that comes with that holding that serves as a blessing for us, just like it did for this church. And Jesus would be able to take them um, 
away and, and spare them from the coming tribulations that he's describing in this letter. And even for us, it's a holding on that we can hold on to, that we can tap into, that will absolve us as well. And we can be connected to him. And even as we go through this world and we go through this walk, there are things that are going to happen and we can be able to be on the right side of this, right? And, and he also even takes it a step further. He exhorts to them remaining faithful because again, it leads to the rewards in the afterlife. And I want you to think about that. Based on this and other scriptures, we we can conclude that this the, the rapture is an event distinct from the second coming of Christ, right? And the fact that the, the church of Philadelphia, the, the believers that are in this church are promised to be preserved from that time of tribulation, it goes into a lot of the views that we see when it comes specifically to the rapture. And, and another thing that Jesus does, he gives a final promise to the believers in Philadelphia. He says, him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down from heaven, from out of heaven, from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. And I love that this quote that I found from a professor, it says, God promised that he will not just honor overcoming overcomers by erecting a pillar in their name in heaven as with as was the custom in Philadelphia he will make them pillars in the spiritual temple of God and I want you to think about that the you know we were seeing these people struggling with weakness right they didn't fail but they had weaknesses they weren't perfect and 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 even through that Jesus still makes everlasting pillars in the house of God for them because of their endurance, because of their faith, because of their ability to hold on and not compromise and not bend, but stay true to the word that they were that they were given. And see, we can do all things through Christ who strengthened us, Philippians 4.13. Jesus gives us words of comfort even in this letter, and they continue to serve as comfort for us today. And, and so as we shift, I want to just take a minute. I want you to, to really think about kind of where we are with this letter right now and think about where kind of where we're shifting to and where we're moving because there's something in this letter. There's a few more things that I that I really believe that we can take from this letter, take from the Church of Philadelphia and apply it to our own lives, to our own walk. And the first thing is I want you to think about the lesson number one, they had an open door right? And in Christ, he opens the letter. We talked about it. He's revealing his sovereignty, that that notion of an open door, right? He opens it. No one can close it, right? He has set that before us. And, and this idea of an open door, it, it's in scripture several times in the New Testament. And in each case, the open door represents an opportunity for ministry. Paul talked about doors uh, for ministry that opened in, in Ephesus and 1 Corinthians and in other cities in 2 Corinthians. And in each of those passages, the door opened um, apart from Paul's plan. See, because when the door opened in Ephesus, it caused him to change his plans. When the door opened in Troas, it conflicted with Paul's desire to find Titus. And, and it's significant to note that even in those scriptures, and again, that's 1 Corinthians 16, 8 through 9, and 2 Corinthians 2, 12, 
Paul didn't force uh, the doors open. Rather, the Lord opened those doors. And, and I want you to think about that even um, as, as we see this thing. And, and I want you to hear this quote uh, from John Stott. It says, Christ has the keys and he opens the doors. Then let us not barge our way unceremoniously through doors which are still closed. We must wait for him to make openings for us. Damage is continually being done to the cause of Christ by rude or blatant testimony. It is indeed the right to seek to win for Christ our friends and relatives at home and work, but we are sometimes in a greater hurry than God is. And I want you to key in on this part. Be patient, pray hard, love much, and wait expectantly for the opportunity of witness. The same applies to our future. More mistakes are probably made by speed than by sloth, by impatience than by deleteriousness. God purposes often ripen slowly if the door is shut. Don't put your shoulder on it. Wait until Christ takes out the key and opens it up. And that's such a powerful, powerful quote of, of these, these believers. Um, and it really ties right into the Church of Philadelphia and even us today of making sure that we are patiently waiting for God to open doors because we know he has the ability, he has the keys, but it's tied into our obedience, it's tied into our walk, it's tied into those things where we allow God to open the doors for us and we can literally see the blessings unfold, not because we force them open, not because we we make this a huge point to, to, to barge our way in, but we allow ourselves to move when God moves. Lesson two, I want you to key, and we talked about it a little bit already, they had little strength. Right. And literally, when you when you think about that, you know, the the uh, he he's assuring the Church of Philadelphia, the doors will remain open. He, he literally tells them for you have little strength like what it's almost like you, you would think it's somewhat of a like shortcoming of theirs. Right. Like it's But again, remember, this was the second church that did not get a rebuke. So they're not being rebuked for their little strength. Hear me. It's not something that is a negative connotation. And I think sometimes in our walk, we think little strength as a, a hindrance or a problem or an issue. But the fact that they have little strength produces a big opportunity for them to lean into God even more. And the other thing that is really key about this little strength is that they weren't relying on their own strength. And it and it dispels the myth that it's in our strength we do things. No, and Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my strength is made perfect in weakness. See, Paul understood his weakness wasn't an obstacle in the light of Christ's strength. It was about the minimal strength that it was actually able to tie in to the strength of God to be more sufficient. And even in the minimal strength with the Church of Philadelphia, it wasn't a barrier to God's plans, and neither is your strength. So you might feel less than that when it comes to strength. You might not feel as strong, but I'm telling you, that's just a precursor and it's just the first step. It's just another step in establishing the strength and trust and belief in what Jesus Christ can do in your life. Lesson three, they kept the word of God. 
Christ, he literally commends them, uh, the Church of Philadelphia, for their fidelity to the word of God. You have kept my word. Can, Can he say that about us? You have kept his word. You have kept his word. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, have you kept the word of God? Even in the midst of struggle, even in the midst of of weakness, even in the midst of confusion, have you kept his word? Because, see, that's the power. That's another lesson that we could take from this church. God, Jesus literally tells them, you have kept my word. It did not erode away in the midst of your circumstances. It did not get washed away in your tears of despair. It did not burn away in all the anguish and agony and all the things that you may have feel, that you may feel, but you still continue to keep the word of God. Because see, here's the thing. We don't have an excuse. The Bible is readily in front of us, available to us in translations and formats that you can connect to and study tools and how you leverage that, how we tap in to God's word is key to the walk that we're enduring. Because see, one of the reasons the church of Philadelphia was so blessed by God was it was their faithfulness to his word. And I want you to make that commitment right now that you will remain faithful to the word of God. Psalm 119 and 11 says, hide it in your heart so that you might not sin against him, right? You have to make sure that we're keeping his word in every situation, in every season. And lesson four, they had not denied the Lord. Christ commends the church in Philadelphia because they did not deny his name. See, they weren't only faithful to the word of the Lord, but they were faithful to the name and the Lord himself. And see, that we, we've talked about it so many times with this series in other churches, that persecution and the punishment for exercising the faith. That was, that was in Rome. That was everything they did. Jesus, you think about Jesus' apostles and the way that after Jesus had ascended into heaven and they went on to their ministries and a lot of them died in different ways, John was the only one that did not die a violent death. And he died imprisoned on, on, on Patmos. But if you think about like the apostles, the believers at Philadelphia, they would not worship Caesar. They would not participate in any form of idolatry. And even in the face of persecution, they did not deny the name of Jesus Christ. And you think about how quick we are to deny his name now, right? And the country we live in, America, is so blessed to have a high degree of religious freedom. We talked about this in another episode when it came to, um, uh, you know, the the podcast and, and being able to hear the word of God where you are and not enduring and being rejected and being persecuted for that. We live in a country where we're free. If you're listening to this right now, wherever you are, I've said it before, but there are some people listening to Vantage Point that can't freely listen. They are they may be in a cave listening. They may be in a house that that they have to be in silence. They can't even share what they heard. If they were impacted by a message or an episode, they can't even share. But we in America, we get to do this. We get to share, right? And persecution seems subtle to us because we have so much religious freedom. We have so much freedom and, 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 and autonomy to do these things. But for some people, 
they have to, they are in positions that it just can't be. And when you look at these churches and how they went through their day and their people, they stood in the face of death for the name of Jesus Christ. What have you stood in the face of for the name of Jesus Christ? What have you testified to? What have you seen? What have you allowed your testimony to do in the hearts of people with the religious freedom you have? What has been your response in persecution? Have you, did you tuck away and run? Did you hide the word? Did you, did you blaspheme the name of Jesus or did you stand on a mountain? Did you stand on your two feet? Did you stand on a firm foundation of belief that Jesus Christ is Lord and it doesn't matter what anybody, any organization, any political party, hello, anybody says you will not deny the name of the Lord. Those are the lessons that we can take away from the Church of Philadelphia. Those are the lessons that we can sit here and put into practice in our day-to-day living. I challenge you today, even as you close this episode, I challenge you. What areas do you need to, to press in more? Do you need to press in in your ability to not deny? Do you need to press in to keep his word? Do you need to press in when you have little strength? Do you need to press in to understand that you have open doors when you are obedient, when you are steadfast, when you are holding true? Those are the things that we have to hold on to. And I pray these things. I pray for your strength. I pray for your ability to see what God is doing, not in your life, but in every, in all the life, in everyone's life, in the church. What is he doing? What is he calling you to? Because there might be moments where he's calling you to stand in the face of something for his name. I pray you have the faith to do it. I pray you trust him enough to do it. And wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, I just thank and praise you right now, God, for everyone that's under the sound of my voice, Father God, whether they're hearing it for the first time or they've replayed it and shared it, Father God, that they will continue to remain steadfast in you, Father God, that they will continue to see all the things that you're doing, Father God. I pray that they keep your word and they do not deny your name, Father God. I pray that they love you unconditionally, Father God, that they see the things you're doing, that they remain faithful to you. It is in these things things we pray, Father God, in your son's name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you again for rolling with us another week. We have two more episodes coming up in um, Letters to the Church. I want you to stay tuned in, stay locked in. We have so much more coming. Uh, We talked about Summer Takeover. Make sure, be ready for that. Be looking for the social media blast for that. And there's even going to be a few surprises throughout the summer. And so I just want you to stay connected and remember, continue to seek insight keys and perspective to everyday living through the lens of God. It's going to change your world and your life. God bless.